Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skift Podcast, Skift's weekly conversations on the trend lines shaping global travel. This podcast is sponsored by MasterCard, one of the world's leading technology companies. MasterCard and Skift have recently announced future cities, an exploration of how major destinations are preparing for the new age of urban mobility. From connected infrastructure to smart technologies, this upcoming series examines how global cities are creating seamless and personalized experiences for visitors and residents. Learn more about the project at futurecities.skift.com and join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag SkiftFutureCities. I'm Samantha Shankman, and this week I am joined by Skift co-founder and head of content, Jason Clampett. Public relations is an engine that helps control many of the messages that travelers consume about destinations, hotels, and airlines. Whether it's via a New York Times article or sponsored Instagram post, PR professionals are often behind the content that inspires consumers while they daydream at their desks and plot their next vacation. However, in the same way that traditional travel publishing has been upended in recent years, this massive machine that touches every part of the travel industry has been in flux as brands reach out directly to consumers who trust their peers and influencers. How has travel PR changed in recent years? And does it have a place in the future? How much of what consumers see in the media is really a finely tuned message crafted by PR professionals? To answer these questions and more, we're speaking with Jennifer McGuire, founder and CEO of McGuire Public Relations, which works with a broad range of lifestyle brands, as well as Laura Davidson, founder and CEO of Laura Davidson Public Relations, which has worked with hotels and tourism boards around the world for the past 20 years. Welcome, Jennifer and Laura. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks. Great to be here. Nice to be with you. We've seen a lot of changes on the edit side to travel media. And obviously, we've been working with uh, public relations firms as those changes have taken place. And so I'm just kind of curious to hear from your perspective, what's the role of PR professionals in the travel industry today? What's kind of the current state of, of your side of the industry? You know, it's an interesting question because I think the role of PR has always been to be the custodian of the brand. We're the counselors, we're the guardians, and we're the 24-hour watchdogs. More than ever, especially with social, you have to be a 24-hour watchdog because when you wake up in the morning and check your device and you see some crisis emails come through or some good news emails come through, you have to really be on top of that all the time. Um, We talk a lot about the role of PR being thinking and anticipating what the good news will be and thinking and anticipating what the not so good news might be. So as we look at our broader role, it's that proactive and reactive always. And it's again, 24 seven, just like everyone's job, but especially in travel. Hotels don't have doors, they don't lock the doors. So we're actually, I should say, hotels do have doors, but they don't lock the doors. So when you're running a 24 hour business, um, your cruise line, when it's out, it's a floating city and anything can happen. So uh, the role is that custodian 100%. I agree. And, and I think PR has, especially travel PR, has changed a lot in the past couple of years. It used to be so much more image based. And if you had a glossy, gorgeous magazine feature, you were golden. But now it's really much more strategic and it's a strategic part of sales and marketing. And 
you know, I remember years ago, I had a three-page feature in Travel and Leisure magazine, and the client was upset because people called to book in summer, and he wanted them to book in winter, and so he didn't deem it a success. So I think it's getting a lot <laughs> harder for us. I mean, PR is tied into sales results for a lot of clients, and that's how our success is evaluated. With Abercrombie and Kent, which I know you're familiar with, they always joke around, I could get a full-page feature for them and hear nothing, and I could get three lines in the New York Times, and if it sells out, one of their journeys, then it's a hit. So it's really, it's much more sales focused than it used to be. Absolutely. 100% agreed. And, and what would you say about kind of the changing, changing targets for you guys in terms of PR? So, you know, in the past, you know, you could pitch a few magazines, a few editors of newspapers, um, maybe even radio stations, if those still exist. Um, Sirius XM, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's and, still around. <laughs> and in a way, you kind, of, you kind of knew, okay, I did my job today. I pitched everybody I needed to. Now with so many things out there, as well as um, not just digital websites with, with news, but social media out there, pitching influencers and things like that, how do you kind of know when your day is done? Your day is never done. <laughs> I've never had a day done. <laughs> the day you? is never done. I think everything now is a mix. And so it can't just be you pitched a couple of magazines or you pitched a TV show when you're done. It's a mix of everything. And yeah, the media has changed, but the traditional media is still important. The digital influencers are still important. Broadcast is still important. Sometimes you have to pay for it. Sometimes you don't, but it, it's still a big part of what we do. But I want to just give a plug for travel PR. And it's not my plug. It's a plug from, you may be familiar with the survey of affluence and wealth in America that was recently released by Time Inc. and you. Gov, and Jim Taylor is, is the gentleman who runs the YouGov research firm. And when he presented these results, I, I attended a session about a month ago, he said that editorial content was the top influencer for luxury purchases and that PR, digital engagement, and friends are the biggest influencers. And I think that's new. I don't know that we would have heard that a couple of years ago. Not at all. I mean, when you think about it, I was, you know, look at the digital universe and look at social. Instagram started in 2010. Snapchat started in 2011. Twitter is, quote unquote, old news because it started in 2006. But think of the engagement of a customer. For example, uh, Le Meridian Hotels, uh, the infatuation recently stayed there. Um, you know, eats 5-E-T-S, hashtag. Um, they recently stayed at Le Meridian in Santa Monica, Instagrammed some photos within minutes and hours, thousands of, and thousands of likes. But over more than that, the comments, people saying, we have to go there. We have to um, co-check it out. We have to try the eclairs there. So when the client is looking at that and we're looking at it from a PR perspective, we're saying, okay, magazines and newspapers and broadcasts are still important. But then as far as social goes, that engagement really is influential. I had someone contact me on Twitter in the last couple of days, a PR guy actually from London who said, hey, I saw you tweeting about Rushmires in Montauk. I'm going to Montauk. What do you think? And I said, listen, I do travel PR, but I'm giving you my 100% you know, non-jaded perspective here. And I gave him some recommendations. And basically, I engaged with someone on social media who saw me tweeting about a brand so and, and Instagramming about a brand. So I use that in my you know, we try to think as PR people, we try to think like consumers. What will the consumer do? What does the consumer care about? And that's how it's changed a lot because, yes, they're reading it in the Times, but they're also picking up their phone and flipping through their Instagram feed. That's true. And hashtags have become the new SEO. We always talk about that because a lot of companies invest 
heavily in SEO companies to get that set up for them. But I'm sure you find the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you're sending out a tweet or posting something on Instagram, the more hashtags you use, whether it's hashtag spa or hashtag Caribbean, it's incredible the engagement you get. And the reporters for us are seeking us out because they're searching by hashtag. And obviously a lot of consumers are as well. And that's really free. You don't pay for hashtags, right. at right, least not right. yet. <laughs> so what does that look like moving forward when you're thinking about the next five years? Do you see a lot more of your focus going towards social? Do you think that these more traditional outlets like, you know, the newspapers or a magazine spread, will that become irrelevant in the future? I think it still has to be a mixture of both. I think digital is important because it's instant. And we live in a world where everybody wants instant gratification, instant results. And also for a lot of the directors of marketing who we work with, it provides numbers in a report. But you can't ignore the traditional as well. I think the key is integrating it. And if you remember, there was that Arnie Weissman Travel Weekly Editor's Roundtable. Mm -hmm. I know you guys reported on that at Skift, and, and that was in several places. And that's what all of those top editors were talking about. You know, Travel and Leisure, Condé Nast Traveler, Nat Geo, even New York Times with their whole new digital division. It's all integrated, and it's also moving towards native advertising. I like to say sponsored content mm -hmm. because even we though it's, yeah, because it's content and users want the content in the way they're used to getting their content. And that's also another shift now and moving forward, the budget for sponsored content may come from an advertising or marketing budget, but it's the PR team that's curating that content and working with the editors and writers to develop that content. We're doing something actually next week in Sydney, Australia with USA Today Digital. They're doing a lot in digital with sponsored content. They're sending a camera person and a reporter to develop the content and the PR team is directing that, but it didn't come out of our budget. So for us, it's thinking of ways to recommend the sponsored content opportunities. And I'm sure you're finding this too, Jennifer, but it's also recommending that they add budget for that because that doesn't come out of our PR budget. And that's the challenge moving forward. Right. Especially important when everyone's sitting at the table, the digital team, the marketing team, the ad team, and the PR team. You know, there's a big bucket of, of budget when you think about what are your plans for the year and that gets allocated. But then as opportunities come up and you do have the opportunity for sponsored content or a big event or a celebrity endorsement, something like that. I know we're going to talk a little bit about what Marriott is doing. You know, you think about, you know, the nature of what we're doing is has always been in travel PR, reach people where they live, work and play. But now people live at work and they work while they play. So when you think about it from a broad perspective, where are we reaching people? It's, again, you're looking at your digital device and you're looking at your work emails, your fun emails, your social content, which your, your work is mixed in with that as well. And that's where the, the sweet spot lies in that whole integrated approach. So when everyone's sitting at the table, helping to decide, okay, where's our PR direction? Where's our marketing direction? If it's not tied in, you're leaving opportunities on the table. That's true. I, I think that's been a lot of the success for destinations like Australia, which you've talked about, and Montana, people are talking about as well in terms of how they're engaging with people in their social media channels with visuals and, and really motivating consumers to come. The Adirondacks does that really yeah. well as well. Each, uh, you know, the, 
people in New York know the Adirondacks, but even Manhattanites, you know, they think of it as, oh, nature, Lake Placid seems so far away. But they get such high social engagement and inquiries based on their social. And I mean, obviously, beautiful landscapes and photos will always sell. That's why Condé Nast and Travel and Leisure are going back to that big, broad perspective of imagery. Um, I mean, look at Instagram. It's it, Instagram sells. So, and again, that's our free advertising and PR sometimes. The hashtag doesn't cost anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. everything you've just talked about, whether it's the project with USA Today or Instagram, um, are things that you didn't do five years ago. Um, so what's the skill set of the modern PR person? That's a great question. Laura and I were talking about this beforehand and hoping we get lots of great qualified resumes after this. Um, you know, the skill set. We get a referral fee. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. The skill set um, has not really changed. You need someone who's creative, you need someone who's clever, you need someone who's conscientious, and you need someone who can write content. So I was, everything starts with the C. If you are sitting on a plane and you don't grab the in-flight magazine and flip through it to get sparked from ideas, and that's your curiosity, you probably won't do well in travel PR because you need to have that forward-thinking ability as well as that curiosity because you can't trend spot if you don't have that. You know, that's very, very important. If a candidate comes in and talks to me and says, you know, I DVR um, the Today Show and Good Morning America every once in a while just so I can see what segments they're running, I will hire them on the spot. Because that shows to me that you're not willy-nilly creating a list, pitching of what you think you should be pitching. You're actually looking at and studying the media and understanding the way they work and what they will run, and you're crafting your pitches as such. Um, you know, it's very... You know, the, I think that has changed a lot because I think also the younger generations of folks who grew up only with email don't remember about picking up the phone. I have a great story to tell. Um, just two days ago, I got a call from a very senior producer at a national morning show and said, you know, you sent me this email in April. I get so many emails. I wasn't able to work with you at that point, but I printed it out and said, I've got to call Jen back. So, you know, a month and a half later, she calls back and we end up talking for 45 minutes about how the show has changed. And just what we were talking about, it's, you have to be nimble. You know, Today's show and GMA didn't mix editorial and advertising as much as they do now. Um, you know, their food segments have changed. Their travel and lifestyle segments have changed. Everything's social. They're looking for their stories to go viral. So they're looking at PR people to say, what about this story can we make viral? Where can we bring social in? So a candidate who understands that that's how media is working and print is the same way and online is the same way, um, that's a person who I think will do, do really well in PR. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I always say if I can find an ADD person who's focused, <laughs> that would be the ideal PR person. Because 10, 15 years ago, 
we were looking for great communicators, people who could write and they could pitch and they had media contacts. But now, you know, it's 100 miles per hour beyond that. I mean, you have to be able to, I always tell people, you have to be able to sell a story, not just tell a story. And you have to be able to do it in 10 different ways in five seconds, right? We used to talk about the 30-second elevator pitch, and now it's the five-second soundbite, mm -hmm. the 140-character tweet. <laughs> I mean, picking up the phone in the first five seconds, you have to get someone's attention. But it's really... It's a different, and I'm sure you're seeing this too, it's a different type of person and it's really exhausting. PR now is much more exhausting, yeah. exhausting than it used to be because everything is happening 24-7. If you're doing PR for anybody, if you have a hotel client in the Middle East, you know, the Middle East changes every day. Is it safe to go to Israel? Is Egypt back? It's back. It's not. It's back. It's not. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't work with a print magazine promoting Egypt because if something happens a month from now, you're doomed. But you could work with a top travel blogger on Egypt because chances are in that five-day window, hopefully you're okay. And if not, that person's on the ground mm -hmm. breaking a news story so they're willing to go. So the whole strategic mindset of how we promote is changing almost every day. And what I've found over the years, I've had my business a long time, there are people who can keep up with it and get really excited about it. And then there are people who get so exhausted that they just move on to something else. I had somebody leave me last year who went to work in a dental office. <laughs> well, sometimes working with editors you know, is like pulling teeth. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, uh, um, I'll, I'll let one that thing pass. I add, one thing I want to add to answer that, though, is, you know, this flexibility comment and, and being able to roll with the punches. We deal with crisis communications in PR, um, and we deal with really great big announcements and big news. So you have to be able to be really flexible. The person in travel PR who understands the industry, who has that hunger for um, the business to business story, as well as what's landing well with the consumer, that person will be successful. But without a doubt, it's writing. You should probably do something else if you are sending a, an email with typos or the grammar mm -hmm. mistakes. Spell check is not always your friend. You know, it's those basic PR 101 um, characteristics that I think have stayed, but all of these new layers have been built upon. You know, um, and you mentioned this a bit with the talking about pitching to the morning shows, but, you know, as, as editors in travel have disappeared and travel publishing has changed, um, you're speaking to the consumer directly a lot more than you ever were before, um, whether it's on social media or just influence you have over, over whether it's sponsored content or even non-disclosed sponsored content. Um, you know, what do you, what are some of the pitfalls there in terms of, are you realizing that, okay, it is really hard to speak to consumers? You know, how are you kind of crafting that voice uh, on behalf of clients? That's a great question because, you know, public relations had its traditional definition, whatever that is. But we didn't, as PR practitioners, speak directly to the public. We spoke directly to the editors who spoke to the public. And now, with this metamorphosis that PR has gone through into this integrated, you know, print, broadcast, digital, now public relations, we are speaking to the public, to your point. So, you know, it's being, I think the biggest thing that we're, I'm seeing for clients, whether it's hotel brands, tour operators, destinations, is being transparent with the consumer. They know that the message is coming from the brand and they trust the brand. That's why they're listening. They're tuning in. But you can lose that trust very quickly if you're too self-serving, too selly, or go too over the top. 
in other words, sending them an offer just because you see them tweeting about you is not always the best way to go. Um, crafting that message, just like you would speak to your friend and say, hey, I heard you like this. Let me tell you more about it. That's more of the filter we have to put things through. And it's, it's a new world for PR because, again, PR was pitch the editors, pitch the writers, pitch the producers. And now we're kind of pitching the consumer directly. And that layer really needs to be looked at very closely so you don't lose that trust. That's a really good point. And I think the Daily Meal does that really well. You know, the Daily Meal, some of it is curated content and, some, and a lot of it is sponsored content, but in a way that works for their reader. So when you work with the Daily Meal, you're not saying to the Daily Meal, okay, my client has sponsored for example, Scotland sponsored a whole series with them, then you're not dictating to them what they're going to write. They're telling you the kinds of videos, slideshows, recipes, content that their readers want, and then you fit it in. But then when you do, it's a huge success. And the click-throughs are incredible. And so there's a lot more of that collaboration with the media, especially on the digital side. And that's where you have to stop and listen to what they're looking for, because the end user is really controlling a lot of that content. And if you can provide that, that's great. I think another way that's working well to reach a direct consumer is through marketing partnerships. And that used to be something that we all did many years ago, mm -hmm. and then it quieted down for a while. But as consumer brands have their own huge social media following, if you can partner your hotel client, for example, with a consumer brand that has a like-minded customer, that's an instant reach to their audience of 250,000 on Facebook or Instagram with your client message. So there's a lot more of, of the marketing partnership strategy with all brands Agreed. In, in the travel industry now. It's, it's a way to get your message out in two different mediums because if you're partnering with a fashion brand, with a, a, a media outlet, with an influencer, you're saying your messages are reaching two audiences. So you're, you're doubling the amount of ears potentially, but you're also doubling really the, the length and breadth of your content. Um, you know, the messaging when we were talking about social media and speaking directly to the, to the public, the messaging for PR and especially for travel PR has been what's going to motivate the, just with any selling, what's going to motivate the consumer to buy? What's going to motivate the consumer to travel? With travel PR, we are reaching people who are planning bucket list trips. So their bucket list has 10 destinations on it or 10 experiences, and we want to consistently try to get into their head for when they're ready to plan. So that aspirational trip, and we're also reaching people who are planning for next weekend. You know, we do it ourselves. Think about, oh, I didn't realize 4th of July is only a few weeks away. Where am I going? Um, or what am I going to do over New Year's? You know, it's, you know, the bigger long haul trips. We have to think about the messaging and where that lands for press, long lead and short lead, and where that ends for social, because social is not long lead. Social is so short lead. Very, very instant. Short. Yeah, it's instant. You just mentioned a really important word, experiences. And that's such a big part of what we promote now. It's not about promoting brands anymore. It really is about promoting experiences. And one of my favorite brands, and they're not a client, I'm just a huge fan, is JetBlue. I think we're all a fan of JetBlue. And I recently tried their new mint service, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend. I'm giving them a plug now because it was so amazing. <laughs> but they haven't just created a seat or a pod or whatever they're calling it. They have created an experience where when you get on the plane, there's a note from the flight attendant asking if there's anything they can help you with. I mean, I've been in this business a long right. time. You don't even get that from hotels right. sometimes. It's 
old I hotel trick that they picked up on. It was They're smart. smart. Mm-hmm. I took a picture of the card and I tweeted it before we even took off because I thought, oh my God, they're bringing service back to the airline industry. Service, Personalized. airlines, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> and then they have birch box samples that they give you on the plane. I have never really been exposed to birch box and now I'm going online and I'm looking to see what they offer. I, I think that they do it probably better than any other airline because they're giving their traveler experiences to write about. And the other thing they did that was brilliant was they had the flight attendants, when they come around to talk with you, they're doing a survey at the same time. They come and they chat and they bring you a signature drink and they say, is this the first time you're flying with us in Mint? Who do you usually fly in business class? But in a nice way, because I'm sure you're like me, I would never take the time to fill out a survey, but I was chatting away with that flight attendant, you know, had five hours on the plane. (laughs) Then I was asking her some questions, but it was really interesting interesting because I'd say 90% of those people in mint class were like me, former American Airlines business traveler, business class travelers who switched over to mint and it was really good service. So JetBlue is, is brilliant where I'm concerned. <laughs> Something I, I think that uh, is interesting that we've talked about is how consumers are seeing this media. So for example, they're going to look in a magazine and see a glossy ad and they know that that's uh, an ad. But if you're just looking through your Instagram feed and an influencer's at a hotel or, you know, a brand they trust is eating at a hotel, they're not recognizing that that's really originating in, in a PR brainstorm session or even in a PR relationship. How much of what consumers see in the media originates uh, with you all in the public relations field? And how aware are they of that? I think that they're aware. I don't know that they care that much if it's presented in the right way. We recently had Savannah Guthrie down in Sydney, Australia, Mm -hmm. and it was sponsored by Sydney and Qantas. And they made it very clear on in their orange room, on social media, everywhere, and our sponsors, Sydney and Qantas, are offering a trip giveaway. Well, 5,000 people still entered to win the trip. Everybody tuned in and watched and was excited to see Savannah and Sydney. Did they care that it was paid for? I didn't see anything on Twitter that talked about it. As long as it's done in the right way, we couldn't control the content. You know, we had to sponsor the segments. They controlled the content and they will tell you it's still a new show and, and they have to curate it the right way. But it was a great show for viewers. And It brought them something special. The fact that it was paid for, I think if I'm a viewer, I'd rather see that than see 10 ads telling me to go and travel somewhere. And and the consumer, just adding to that, the consumer has that trust that we talked about before. If the, if you're listening in to a brand that you like, I also happen to be, speaking non-travel, a huge fan of Birchbox. Birchbox has built a trust with their consumers. So their consumers are saying now, oh, JetBlue must be someone I can trust. So they're, you know, they're, whether it's sponsored content or a partnership, it's that it's that fine line where it's blurred between I paid for this. We're not smashing messages down the consumer's throat. If it's natural and organic to the experience, that's the way that you can separate out what will fly with the consumer and what won't. Because consumers are smart and they're snarky and and frequent travelers will get right onto their social media and they will take down a brand in a couple of tweets because they don't want to be taken advantage of by a brand and say, hey, I thought this was real. But, you know, when the Kardashians stay at a Gansevoort Hotel, when the Kardashians stay anywhere, you know, many times that's paid for and people know that. But there's still a huge swath of consumers out there who will say, oh, I have to go there next time I go to L.A. or Miami or wherever. So I think it's, you know, 
the glossy ad we know is paid for, and that's messaging that's totally sponsored. For the things that are blurred lines, more the editorial, advertorial, sponsored content, the consumer will trust us if we message it in the right way. And if the media outlet does, I think it'll be really interesting to see what New York Times Digital is doing. Mm -hmm. They have a great new team over there that's producing a whole bunch of digital content and mm -hmm. digital series. They're just getting into the travel space yeah. now. 36 I'm, hours is going to be a TV, right, they're show, do a TV now. show on yeah. the travel channel. Mm -hmm. so, and it's still the New York Times brand, right? So they have to be really careful with how they position it. But if I'm a New York Times reader, and I want more information on Morocco, and I can watch a New York Times digitally sponsored show, you know, as long as it's presented the right way, I want the information. So just get me the information one way or another. You know, in the same way, what do you, what do you think about brands who have, in a way, cut us both out? You know, people, uh, you know, Marriott, I know Marriott still spends a lot on advertising and PR, but their efforts in content production in a way that, you know, they're saying whether it's through YouTube stuff or their digital magazine, Four Seasons does that to a certain extent, too, with their things for families and food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the brand goes direct to the consumer, um, you know, what's your relationship with brands uh, as they do that? What's your, uh, you know, how does your role continue with, with, with brands like that? I, I think from a broad perspective, industry-wise, you know, we are all looking to do the same thing. Get people to get on a plane, get on a boat, get into a hotel, get heads in beds, get them into the restaurants and our hotels. So that's why content and community are such hot topics because we can't ignore them. So whether it's Four Seasons Magazine or it's you know hiring 60 people at Marriott to be part of their in-house content division, I think the important that the way that PR stays involved is to help keep those messages so they're not advertising speak and they're promoting the brand in a way that's authentic to what the consumer wants to hear in their ears as well as what's real because sometimes i think in our pr meetings and you know and internally in brands we think something's news we think it's something interesting to the consumer but when it rolls out to the consumer there could be a misstep so if the if you're curating content and it, it lands as a misstep, you're going to lose a huge audience there. Um, so I feel like it's very touch and go with the branded content and, and creating that. Um, but the result is a prettier package. You know, you when you work with an editor, you sometimes fact check their story and you don't know what the package will look like at the end, um, especially if it's 100% pure editorial. Um, and with this, you get a prettier package. There's a bow tied on the top and it's pretty, pretty brand. And the smart marketers who are doing this will sometimes talk about the things that aren't so great, maybe about the destination or give tips and say, avoid this and that. Because again, that builds the trust and the authenticity of the, the final product. I agree, and I think Marriott's doing a great job with that whole content studio mm -hmm. and, and everything they're doing. But they also, throughout all of their brands, they do a lot of consumer activation events, and, and we do some work with residents in, and how are you getting consumers to find out about those events? That's where PR comes in. PR can drive the traffic to the events, it can drive traffic to a website, it can drive traffic to a YouTube channel, so you still need PR to work with the media to drive people to where you want them to go, whether you're placing something in a newspaper for a day of event or whether you're bringing the top food bloggers to an event so that they can then influence other people to come. So it's still an important part of it. What we're all finding is that we're becoming great collaborators and really we are an extension of an in-house PR team where in the old days, 
they might ask you to just give them a program proposal of what you think they should do. Now, everything is a specific brief, whether it's their consumer events or new brand content strategies they have, and how will you, as an extension of their team, work to support what they're doing? And that's, I think that's going to shift even more in the coming years. You know, in addition to media's job changing, PR's job changing, I think the people who, um, who consumers look to for advice about travel has changed over the last few years. Um, I was looking at a list of an upcoming big Instagram meet in Vegas at the Bellagio, and the eight people listed, none of them were travel people. Um, they were all in fashion, food, music, and things like that. Um, how has that changed your job in terms of who you reach out to to get the word out about a property or an airline or, 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 or to a provider? I mean, the influencers have people who are tuned into them, and it's a niche audience for them. For travel, we are in, we're reaching that niche as well, whether it's a fan of fashion and they want to stay at an upper upscale hotel or it's a foodie fan and our hotel happens to have the hottest restaurant in the city. Um, so, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody, your influencer who you tap for a campaign, somebody who's known for travel per se. It can be someone who's known for curating great experiences or finding the coolest XYZ in the in a destination or wherever they go. I mean, when you look at what influencers to target for travel PR, you you do you look at the um, you know their reach and if they have a blog, but you look at their Instagram feed to say, is this in line with my brand? Do we like? Does our brand and does this influencer like the same things? Not like as in liking them, <laughs> but you know, are they? Do they have? Are they like-minded? So if you are a brand that believes that you know art is integral to your destination's experience, and you want to look for influencers who are naturally tweeting about that, who are naturally seeking out those experiences, they're the ones that matter. It doesn't have to be a travel influencer. Not that the travel influencers don't have <laughs> lots of. Um, Influence, I guess. <laughs> well, it's it's looking at verticals mm -hmm. in social media. Mm -hmm. The same way in old school PR, you would look at verticals, whether it's food, design, mm -hmm. music, lifestyle. In print media, you're doing that in social media, looking for those vertical influencers. I think food bloggers are so powerful. I mean, we just opened up a new hotel up in Portland, Maine, and the first person to review their restaurant was not the travel editor of the local paper. It was the top food blogger in Portland, Maine, and then his stuff is read everywhere else. So food bloggers are very, very important if there's a restaurant and a hotel, as are, you know, if it's about art and design, you want to get somebody from Art Info or, you know, it really is about identifying the influencers by their niche topics. Can I add one other thing? Yeah. Something that I think gets overlooked a lot are the regional city publications. They're great to work with, and I'm thinking in particular of modern luxury media. One of the areas that we're all still working with is, is the regional magazines, city media. One of the most successful brands in that category is modern luxury media. Because by working with one editor or writer, you're getting in 15 city magazines across the country. They have modern luxury brides. 
They ha- they're everywhere from Manhattan, Angelino, San Diego, Chicago, San Francisco. Remember the old days of zip code marketing? Well, this is like zip code marketing, but through PR. And they also have digital magazines. And it's, it's often overlooked because we're all thinking in terms of these big categories. But these magazines are selling a lot of advertising. They're making a lot of money and they're not going away and they love to travel. They- and people are reading them as long exactly. as there's, um, and you know, the smart PR teams think about these regional publications and say, either we have a hotel there or we're promoting a destination, whatever the case is, we want to reach this market. Think about the airlift. Think about what the seasonality is for that market, um, whether it's Caribbean or to Africa, Vietnam, Cuba, you know, everyone wants to figure out how can we get to Cuba now that we can go to Cuba. Um, so, you know, as we talk about what are the, what's the low hanging fruit, being super creative as far as your media outreach and thinking, don't just sell your client. Think about from the reader's perspective, how are they going to get there? What are they going to do when they get there? And then the editor appreciates that because you're doing a little bit of work for them to say, okay, this is why this is a viable destination and why your market cares about this because they can get there. Because the worst thing to do is to pitch a story in a regional market where there's no airlift to your destination. And then how do people get there? So. Um, the other thing I wanted to add to that, and I'm sure you're finding this too, Jennifer, is digital video is huge now. And everybody from the Wall Street Journal online to travel and leisure online to bloggers to digital, even sponsored content, everybody needs good video. And it's a great way to get messaging out for your client. I mean, AOL.com needs video. They, they need so much content they can't possibly curate it all themselves. They need travel PR people to provide them with the images, the video and the content. And and that opens up a world of opportunity for us and our clients. For sure. The one thing I wanted to add to, we talked a lot about how travel PR has changed over the past few years. Again, going back to social and digital, the press trip has been, you know, the way to get a writer to write the best story about whatever your product is, is to have them experience it. In the old days, or maybe even just a few years ago, you would create an itinerary and create an experience for the journalist or the press group. And that's what they would see. And that's what would happen. And that's how the stories were. The best stories come out of the unplanned experiences on these trips. And there's so many new layers of editorial that come out of it because they're Instagramming, because they're tagging one another, because their posts are going viral in the market while they're there. They're doing an Instagram post. They're posting on their Facebook. They're sending out videos. They're really, the press trip has changed so much. And I think from the travel PR perspective, we're understanding that we're thinking like the consumer and like the media person and like the final reader of their story and providing them with the unscripted experiences that will really help to give flavor to that story. And that wasn't the same. It was, you know, five years ago, maybe they would post on Facebook while they were there, but now there are so many other outlets that that you can provide really fun and kind of off the beaten path experiences and get even more out of those trips. That's true. They're multitasking media. (laughs) They're writing for magazines, writing for their blog. They're broadcasting live wherever they are. Right. It's true. I found that really interesting um, having been on a press trip before and saying, you know, this has been a nice experience, but it could be so much more layered. You know, everybody today wants to 
go, um, you know, eat at a local house or they want to meet local. So why aren't press trips reflecting this? Because it's going to be good for everybody. It's going to be good for the destinations. It's going to be good for the media that's coming out of it. And so they, I think that it's kind of starting to happen, but I'm excited to kind of see where it goes because I feel like there's so much of an evolution of the experience that the destination and the PR firm can help curate that'll be beneficial to everybody just a better experience overall i always think about it this way remember that movie what women love with mel gibson he actually shaves his legs puts on pantyhose wears a dress to think like the consumer and that is where he was successful so in travel pr and in any pr that's what we're doing too we want to get into the consumer's mind and say Again, what is going to motivate them? How will they feel during this experience? How will they feel during this press trip? Where can we add another layer to that experience? So I, I always think about that movie when I think about, okay, what, what will the consumer want from this experience and what will they get from it? And where will that land us thinking backwards as far as me messaging goes? And I also want to add, if there's anybody who will be listening who's just thinking of getting into travel PR, it's a really exciting time to enter the industry because, first of all, travel is up, especially on the luxury side. I mean, the numbers are crazy. So it's a great time to be in the travel industry. There's so much expansion in terms of the hotel market. There are places that are more accessible now than they ever were before because of increased airlift and expanding international carriers. There's more information out there than ever before. And for us, those of us who have had agencies for several years, you know, we welcome a lot of the new creative talent who are thinking differently and who are living in that social world and can really add a whole new perspective to a program. For sure. Well, thank you, uh, Jennifer and Laura, for joining us today. Um, I've learned a lot and, um, and I feel it's always good for editors and PR people to commiserate a bit about the changing business and also get excited about uh, what what's ahead in the future thank you thank you, thank you.